Good morning to all of you in this sanctuary. <clears throat> and for those watching at home, I welcome you and want to assure you that the glare coming from the middle of your screen is not the fault of your television set. God has steadily been unveiling this head over the past 35 years. And, and uh, those high school bangs over the eyebrows that um, some of you remember from our shared days at, at Calvin Christian are a distant memory, sadly. Like all of you who have lived a few years, my life has often not gone according to plan. And coming out of a very long and painful separation that ended in divorce almost four years ago, Reverend David Bielan, my pastor for almost all of my adult life at Madison Square Church, oddly concluded that I should get ordained. I'd sped through a master's degree in theology from Fuller Seminary in about 10 years back in the 20th century. But I was content to be a Bible teacher and youth ministry leader as God provided those opportunities. But in that painful season four years ago, my pastor said, God doesn't want to waste any of these tears. And getting ordained will give you more opportunities to step into the pain of others and to share what you have learned in school and in life. Mostly, that has meant serving as a chaplain at Forest View Psych Hospital every other Sunday afternoon for the past three and a half years, blessed by many opportunities to bring the light of Christ to some beautiful people in some pretty dark and difficult places. And occasionally, as a commissioned pastor in the CRC, I have the privilege to explore God's word with good people like you. And I'm humbled and grateful to be with you to preach without a mask today. Before we get to our scripture passage, inspired by Pastor Joel, I wonder if there are any kids or kids at heart here in the sanctuary or watching at home. Because I wanna begin this message with you. Do you recognize who is on the screen? Yes, kids, your parents and even your grandparents are really excited right now because they can help you. So if you can pretend, that would be good. It's Big Bird and Mickey Mouse. First, really quickly, I want you to think and talk about all the ways that Big Bird is a bird and all the ways that Mickey Mouse is a mouse. Ready, set, go. And if you're sitting alone, think those deep thoughts to yourself. All right, good job on the first part. And now really quickly, I also want you to think and talk about all the ways that Big Bird and Mickey Mouse are more like people. Yes, birds have feathers and beaks, and some are yellow, and mice have tails and big ears and four toes on their front feet, five in the back. But people sit on steps to read books to children and wear shoes and helmets to ride skateboards. So Big Bird and Mickey Mouse and lots of other cartoon figures, including every mermaid, are combinations of animals and people. They are part animal and part human. Now for all of us who are kids and all of us who used to be kids, I want you to think about Jesus and focus upon something very important that Christian scholars discussed at meetings long ago at places like Nicaea and Chalcedon in the fourth and fifth centuries. Is Jesus one part God 
and one part human, sort of a half and half. Or maybe God on the inside and human on the outside. The short answer is no. And today and next Sunday, as we look at encounters that Jesus had with uh, two different people, it's important to consider truth about our infinite God that we cannot fully fathom with our limited human minds. The truth is that Jesus never stopped being fully God when he took on flesh. But it is equally true that when he became flesh, Jesus was also fully human. So in a mysterious way that only God can accomplish, Jesus' divine nature that existed for all of eternity added a full and complete human nature. One person, two complete natures. Fully God and fully human. So when Mary held baby Jesus, and when Peter rubbed shoulders with him 30 years later, they were touching one who was and is God himself and one who was as human as they were and as we are. We will revisit this deep doctrine next week, but now I would like for us to see and hear this fully divine and fully human Jesus in action. The one who encounters Zacchaeus in the first 10 verses of Luke 19, our scripture passage for today. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The author of our story, inspired by God himself, is Luke, who is not one of Jesus' twelve apostles. But this very detailed gospel account shows that he was a brilliant researcher, interviewing many who knew Jesus personally, and likely had a copy of Mark's gospel nearby when he wrote his several years later. Luke is also the widely accepted author of Acts, and together with his gospel, those two books compose roughly a quarter of the New Testament and contain more words than all of Paul's letters combined. In fact, if you add up Luke's words and Paul's words, you have about exactly half of the New Testament and all of the other New Testament authors compose the other half. Luke was a friend and missionary colleague of Paul who reports that Luke was a doctor, which is likely why he he writes so much about Jesus' healing miracles. And most scholars agree that Luke was a Gentile, but whether or not he was, his primary audience is Gentile. So he explains Jewish customs, and he focuses on outsiders, including several tax collectors, making clear Jesus' invitation to those beyond the traditional Jewish community. And even though Zacchaeus is a Jew, he is clearly an outsider in his own community, and in no way deserving of such a beautiful encounter with Jesus. I'm guessing that as we read the story this morning, at least a few of us here were recalling the Zacchaeus song we sang as kids. And some watching at home may have even sung a few bars of the song out loud. 
But I must confess that I have a few issues with the songwriter. First, Luke tells us that, tells us that Zacchaeus was short, which is an important detail to a doctor. But do we sing short? No, we sing we little man. And to any of us a bit short of stature, that feels at least a little bit insulting. When I arrived at Calvin Christian High School across the street a few years ago, as a five foot five inch ninth grader, I knew that I was short. But if anyone had called me we little, two words that both mean small, back to back, not cool. And when we get to the end of the first line, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. The second line begins with the word and, which means we get additional information, right? And what do we then learn? And a wee little man was he. Which sounds a lot like the first line. But for Star Wars fans, how Yoda might say it. After church, you will likely not say to anyone, I ate Cheerios for breakfast and for breakfast, Cheerios ate I. So maybe we should focus on Luke's version of the story rather than the musical one, and I do apologize if I just wrecked your favorite childhood Bible story song. In the first verse, we learn that Jesus is passing through Jericho, a city mentioned dozens of times in the Bible well known to most of us as the place where the walls came tumbling down after the Israelites left Egypt. The rebuilt Jericho in the New Testament is likely a little south of the old one, uh, still just west of the Jordan River, just north of the Dead Sea and about 15 miles east of Jerusalem. It's one of the oldest populated cities in the world due to its location in a spring-fed oasis below sea level and along key trade routes. We learn more of the significance of the location in the second verse of our text. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. The Jews are under Roman rule, but the Romans would generally sell the tax collecting rights to the highest Jewish bidder in each region, which in this thriving business location uh, was Zacchaeus. As a chief tax collector, he needed to come up with a quota required by the Roman government. So backed by Roman soldiers, he would hire collectors to gather enough money to make his quota pay his collectors, and as Luke reports, keep enough to make himself wealthy. And then we learn this in verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So in two short verses, we know three ways that the people of Jericho would define Zacchaeus, and maybe one or more of the ways that he would define himself. His appearance, his job, and his wealth. But what Zacchaeus also knew that few others knew is how empty he truly was. But these describers may be not so different from what we do on LinkedIn or on Match.com today. Then the action begins. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. One of the perks of being hated by pretty much everyone for Zacchaeus is that he doesn't have to worry about his reputation. So he runs, not fluidly in the latest Nike running duds, but awkwardly in the chic robes and sandals of his day. And then this middle-aged man does something even more undignified. He climbs a tree. It's clear that Zacchaeus is desperately looking for something that he has not found in his wealth. 
that he's looking for a better way to see himself, something beyond his appearance, his job, and his money. But he's only begun to grasp that he is not looking for something, but someone. And little does he know that the someone is already determined to find him and to save him and to redefine him. Yes, because the one walking toward the tree is fully God. He already knows that Zacchaeus is there. But the reason that he is walking, invisible, to the people of Jericho is that he at the same time is fully human. Then Luke reports that Jesus reaches the spot, looks up, and calls Zacchaeus by name. And after Zacchaeus confirms that there is no one else in the tree, by the, any other Zacchaeuses here in the tree, nope, no one else, uh, he descends for a glad welcome with Jesus. As they watch this friendly exchange and greeting, the people begin to mutter. Why? Because of, of all the people far more deserving of a visit from Jesus, all of the good people in the crowd, Jesus has very specifically singled out one of the bad ones. Not only to greet, but also to visit at his home. A home that likely had only had a few guests. Other bad people, like Roman officials and junior tax collectors. If you are one of the good kids at school, good job. Uh, this is my encouragement to you. Maybe someone whom you think of as a bad kid is a lot more like you than you realize. And maybe he or she could use someone like you as a friend. And for those of us a little older, it's still at least a little tempting for us to choose that us versus them mentality, isn't it? In fact, I read in an abstract publication recently that in some places in America, there are actually people who belong to one political party who think of themselves as us and at least a little superior to those in another political party they think of as them. Hard to believe, isn't it? In that same article, I also read that in other places in America, far, far from Granville, Michigan, people use their view on the effectiveness of masks in this COVID season to feed a superior us versus inferior them mentality, one way or the other. As one who is often guilty of prideful us thinking, God frequently reminds me of the truth of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is not permission to choose sin, but it is a reminder that all of my modern Pharisee attempts at self-righteousness before a holy God are pretty worthless. And maybe the more we pause to realize that we are all the bad kids, equally in need of God's amazing grace, the more we can hate sins but love sinners, the more we can strive as Americans to be one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. And the more we can live Jesus' prayer that all of them Maybe one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then hated Zacchaeus speaks. And in the minute that has passed since 
this teacher, whom he had never seen before, called him by name. His life is completely different. He went to the parade defining himself as others did. Short, a tax collector, rich and empty. But already he realizes that even though those qualities describe him, his relationship with Jesus now defines him. And he expresses very radically, publicly announcing that he will give away half his fortune and pay back those he has cheated at a much higher rate than the legal requirement of his day. And Jesus announces that Zacchaeus and any in his house, also implying that anyone in the crowd who understands their lostness and their need for a savior and accepts Jesus is a member of the family of God one of the sands of the seashore that God promised Abraham would be his descendants. Why? Because ever since the first humans broke relationship with God, he has been in the business of seeking and saving lost people like Zacchaeus and lost people like us. Six ideas on the screen to close this message. Yes, the bad news is that we are all the bad kids. But the good news in the story begins when Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Fans of the TV show Cheers know that you want to be where everybody knows your name. But not in the dreaded, hateful way that people knew Zacchaeus. The reason that Jesus knew his name is the same reason that he knows yours. Because along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he knit you together in your mother's womb. A one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And if you saw anything less than that when you looked in the mirror this morning, I disagree. Because the one who made you wonderfully and beautifully and intricately in his image knows you and loves you and calls you by name. Next, Jesus does not tell Zacchaeus to journey 15 miles west so they can pray together in the temple. Instead, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Growing up, I believed that God loved me because that was his job, something that he did impersonally out of his perfection, and that at best was a distorted truth. Because in this story, we learn that God not only loves Zacchaeus, but he also likes him, that he wants to hang out with Zacchaeus at his house. If it's been a little while since you have sat by yourself with or without your Bible open, in a space quiet enough to listen for God's voice and free enough to share with him all of your sins and frustrations and joys and questions and struggles and more, I encourage you to hang out with this same Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit later today or maybe tomorrow morning and lots of days after that. And as you do, trust that even though our ascended Jesus is, ha is harder to encounter with our senses, than he was for Zacchaeus. He is still just as excited to meet with you at your house as he was back then. He comes to your house not to count your sins or condemn your shortcomings, but to save you and celebrate that in relationship with you. In fact, not long after his encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus showed that he would rather die an excruciating death than conquer death itself than live without you. A life saved by Jesus should show up as a transformed life, not in our strength, but in his. 
One good sign of that is if you care a little less about titles and money than you did yesterday. There's nothing evil about titles or money. But Jesus makes it clear that what we treasure is a reflection of our heart. So to store up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. Clench both of your fists as tightly as you can. Even tighter. And as you clench your fist as tightly as you can, try to relax. Try to rest. And now let go. And now you can truly relax and truly rest. Is there something that you're holding on to very tightly that is inhibiting you from living the transformed life as fully as Jesus is calling us to live? Bob Goff, author of Love Does, writes, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me. But now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. That I believe is a good fear. And put into action, we care less about titles and money and fluffy external stuff. And more about Jesus and more about others. Zacchaeus went to the parade a wealthy chief tax collector, incredibly empty inside. But he left it a much less wealthy friend of Jesus, committed to giving to those in need and righting the wrongs of his selfish past. Whenever I left my home by car in the Philippines, I pretty much had to decide what I was going to give away that day. Because at every intersection and in every traffic jam, and traffic jams in Manila are synonymous, beggars would approach my driver's side window, and rather than give money, because kids were often used by abusive adults to turn over any money, I tried to keep a stash of cookies and crackers, some sort of carb that could provide a little nutrition. I still remember one day being in a lousy mood, stuck in yet another traffic jam, figuring I might be late for a meeting that I was leading on the other side of Manila and having run out of my stash, and, stash of cookies and crackers, but having a box of a dozen Dunkin' Donuts that I was bringing to my meeting, the smell wafting in my truck. A little girl put her face and hands up to my tinted window and my foul, self-centered mood began to melt. Why was I in this beautiful country? And why did I have the ability to drive a car and to buy donuts? God himself, the giver of all that is good. So I rolled down my window a crack and gave her a donut. And news travels fast on the street. And as traffic continued to crawl, 11 more donuts left through the window. But the blessing of being able to give them away and shifting my self-centered focus back to where it belonged was priceless. And I was able to buy some more donuts before I made it to the meeting just a few minutes late. I'm guessing there are hundreds of local versions of that story that God wants to live through Ivanhoe's Church this summer. And if you're not sure how, maybe your director of community connections and outreach can help you. Finally, by God's grace and in his strength, we look for Zacchaeus. Remember that beautiful description of Jesus in Philippians 2, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. 
what six words set up that beautiful description? Your attitude should be the same. So if Jesus seeks out hated, unlikable people like Zacchaeus, what should we do? First, I want to make sure that if you have been in an abusive situation or are currently in one, this application is not for you to subject yourself to even more abuse. That is not this message. But my guess is that we all have at least a few of those thems that we find annoying or obnoxious. In fact, for those of us who voted for and support President Trump, my guess is that Governor Whitmer is not your favorite person. And if you voted for and support Governor Whitmer, my guess is that President Trump is not your favorite person. Whatever your honest, harsh feelings are for her or him, my guess is that those feelings are similar to what those in the crowd felt about Zacchaeus, the one who had made their lives much more miserable by the way he had taxed them and treated them. So maybe we need to reconsider how we view our most hated politician. To remember that he or she is a masterpiece, an image bearer of God. Broken in sin, as we are, and to disagree a little more respectfully and humbly than we have. But closer to home, for the kid at school or in your neighborhood who is very hard to like. To the noisy neighbor who either spends too much time or not enough time on the lawn, to the ruthless boss or the slacker coworker, to the family member who expects much but gives little, to the person in your life who seems farthest away from Jesus. If one or more people just came to mind, he or she may be your Zacchaeus. So what do we do? We pray, thanking God that he is the one who seeks and saves the lost, but asking him for the opportunity to be his messenger of that good news. And through prayer and humility and courage and more, we smile and call him or her by name and try to find a place to play dolls or basketball or video games if you're young or to drink coffee or chat in the break room or front yard if we're a little older, or to leave the fun family members at the next gathering to listen to the one who usually gets ignored. In those ways and more, we have the same attitude as Jesus. And celebrate that he would choose unlikely people like us to help with the seeking, to do the saving that only he can do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for waking us up this morning, and thank you so much uh, for your word and, and how it lives uh, in and through you, Jesus, the word who became flesh and made your dwelling among us. Help us, God, to be your humble people, uh, your generous people, uh, your uh, people who celebrate relationship with you, God, each and every day of our lives, and may that relationship spill out from our lives with great joy uh, and peace in the, to the lives of those around us. Help us, God, to live this day uh, how you want us to live it, God, offering up ourselves as living sacrifices to you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Please stand for the blessing. And the blessing is not a prayer, so I always grew up bowing my head and closing my eyes. If you want to, you may. Um, but if you feel comfortable, please open your hands and receive this blessing from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.